You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Lord, I pray for every single person here and those watching and listening online. Holy Spirit, this is your moment. This is your time to speak to us, to guide us as Jesus told us that you would do. You would reveal the Son, Jesus, to us. You would convict us of our sin. You would counsel us and guide us in the ways of Jesus and the word of God. We cannot know Jesus and we cannot walk in the fullness of Jesus without you, Holy Spirit. It's impossible without you. And so we welcome you to renew our minds. Father, you know what I need this morning? I need your spirit. I need your words. I need your peace. In this transition, God, may this church body have everything it needs for life and godliness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the month of September, we're in Colossians. Colossians 1 last week, 2 this week, and then we're going to close out with 3, with uh, chapter 4 is really kind of his closing wrap-up of the letter, so we'll kind of do 3 and 4 together. Um, but for those of you who did not, who were not able to be with us or listen online, just to give you a little bit of background to the book of Colossians, it's in the New Testament, it's after the Gospels. And so after the Gospels, you have Acts and Romans, and then um, you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. And so um, this is a letter to the people in Colossae um, from the apostle Paul. Now, one thing to note about this, it's very similar to the letter Ephesians. Ephesians is kind of like his second volume uh, that was really orchestrated by Colossians. The, the, just the key themes of Colossians to note is, number one, out of the gate and in closing, Paul says it's all about Jesus, Period. I mean, he refutes all false teachings by saying, Jesus plus nothing is everything. It's only about Jesus. And it's all about Jesus, and it's all for Jesus. And so if you want to know the theme about Colossians, it's Jesus. (laughs) Every book in the New Testament is about Jesus, but he is reaching out to a very confused group of people who are being taught and persuaded and enforced to believe false gospels, which is being really reinforced by two religious forces. One is Greek philosophy, Gnosticism. And then you have Judaism, which in that day was now, because of Jesus, was so grounded, not because of Jesus, but because what Jesus brought to to bring the kingdom, and to bring to light the darkness of legalism and the external achievements just to say we are God's people. Don't get me wrong. Judaism and the laws of God are perfect, reviving the soul, but they're not perfect in forgiving all sin. Jesus is. And that's why we have a new covenant. But we had a sect of people who became Christians by following Jesus but they were so confused because they were still trying to keep the legal demands of Judaism. And you're going to see this in chapter 2. And so they're really confused. And a lot of people are coming in and really deceiving those who have been brought to life in Jesus by saying, you can have Jesus, but you have to do this, 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 this. And we know by Paul's letters that it says it's by grace you've been saved and not of work. So that, those two things are the main key essentials of Colossians. Jesus is Lord, and it's all about Jesus. And number two, 
It's not about legalism anymore. It's about grace. It's about grace. And so last week in chapter one, we looked at three specific key components. Number one was spiritual knowledge. This was Paul's prayer for the church, including us in the 21st century, that we would have spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. That should be our prayer, is that we would have understanding not of this world, but the only what the kingdom of God gives. Second is the supremacy or lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And the third one was making Christ known to others, which is called evangelism. And we're going to see these themes from last week trickle in to chapter two. And so if you could open your Bibles to Colossians 2, Colossians 2, if you have a Bible app, feel free to do that as well. It will be on the screen, but you're only going to see verse by verse. And so if you want to see the full picture, grab a Bible. There are some Bibles up front, and then there's also Bibles in the Welcome Center. By the way, I can see unfamiliar faces, so welcome to those who are visiting. Can we just even welcome and applaud those who are here for the first time? Welcome. We'd love to connect with you, and uh, you'll hear more in the benediction of how you can do that, but the Welcome Center is designed to connect with you, and we have a gift for you uh, for visiting us today. Let's read chapter 2, starting with verse 1. We're going to read it all together, so stick, uh, read the whole chapter together, so stick with me. Colossians 2, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence, get this, here's chapter one coming in, that they understand God's mysterious plan which is Christ himself. It's all about Jesus. Verse three, in Jesus lie hidden all the treasures of what's those two words? Wisdom and knowledge. It's repeating itself in a different way now. Verse four, I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you. Now that we know the background, you can understand why Paul is pleading this now and saying, don't believe them. Don't be deceived. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Can we relate? I think we can. We'll cover that in a minute. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. So we know that uh, there's a remnant or a group of followers of Jesus that Paul through Timothy and different disciples and elders helped raise. So we know that even though there's a lot of confusion and deception going on, there is a remnant that is staying true to the gospel. And I believe that that's true today as well. There are many people who claim to be followers of Jesus who are confused and will be deceived. But there is a remnant of people whose faith is strong and going to advance the kingdom of God. So let's look at verse six. Now he gets personal. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, that's called salvation. When you accept Jesus as Lord of your life, you believe that he was the son of God, that he died for your sins, he was buried, and on the third, third day, the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. If you believe that and receive that for your life, you have accepted Christ as your Lord. And if you made Jesus your Lord, verse 6 says you must continue, say continue, to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built in on him. 
then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. When you build your life on Jesus, there is a fruit called thankfulness and joy despite all circumstances. Verse eight, don't let, here it is again. You can tell that (laughs) Paul's just dropping this hammer time and time again because he understands what they're facing. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. There is a battle, and it's already won, but we're in it. Rather than from Christ, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. If you're a new believer, or maybe you haven't believed this Christian stuff, take a look at that sentence. This is something absolutely impossible, made possible through the Holy Spirit and through what Jesus did. The fullness of God. This is the fullness of God that no man can endure. Look at Moses. He couldn't even see the fullness of God because he would die. The fullness of God through Christ lives in everyone who accepts the gospel of Jesus and continues to live in it. This should blow our minds. It should. And it truly should change the way we live our lives. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God. We're going to touch on this in a minute. In a human body. So you also, look at this, are complete. Say complete. Through your union with Christ. It breaks my heart when I hear fellow Christians talk about their identity in anything other than completeness. You are complete through Jesus, who is the head over every ruler and authority. That is good news, especially living right now. (laughs) Verse 11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. Now, this is a term in Judaism. If you know anything about the Old Testament, and this is the beautiful thing about Old Testament, please don't buy any false teaching that the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. The Old Testament is the gospel of Jesus before it's fulfilled. The Old Testament is an earthly model of a heavenly design. And circumcision is one of those things. It is a Jewish law that God instilled to point to a spiritual heavenly design that every one of us, male and female, will have in our heart. And so when you read the Old Testament and you see the sacrificial system, you see all the different rules and regulations, it all points to Jesus. And you're going to see this in the scripture in just a moment. Let me find my place again. The cutting away of your sinful nature. Verse 11, let's read that again. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. A lot of Gentiles who weren't circumcised who came to Christ, that was one of the big things that they were pushing on the men, that you had to do that in order to have Christ. And Paul's saying no. But not a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. That's what Jesus did. That's 
with the Old Testament, an earthly symbol. That is why we see circumcision in the Old Testament. It's to point to what Jesus is going to do in all of our hearts as we receive him. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 12, for you were, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new, say new, life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. This is just filled with gospel. This is just to remind us who have been Christians for a while. It's to encourage us who have been enduring for Christ for so long that we're weary. And it's to motivate those who are new in Christ to remember and to be ignited in the gospel that you are raised to life. And if you're raised to life, you need to stop living like dead people. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Verse 13. You were dead. Say dead. Notice the second word, it says were. It's past tense. We have to be careful when we live this new life not to live in past tense. The new has come, the old is gone. We still live in this dead body and we compete and wrestle and war with the sin nature inside of us, but the sin nature has been buried in Christ and we have to remember that that always has to be something in the past that we put in the grave daily. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of your sin. He canceled, say canceled, the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. How many are thankful that your death and debt was canceled? Verse 15, in his way, he dis, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. They have no power. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. These are some of the regulations and some of the legalistic laws that are being enforced on Christians where Paul's saying Jesus is the only thing that matters. Stop getting twisted on the gospel. Or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. All of those rules were a shadow to point to Jesus. And they say, now Jesus has come, died, resurrected, and lives in you. That's the only thing that matters now. And Christ himself is that reality. Is Christ the reality for you? Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial. False humility to look good. The Pharisees had this down. Or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Now, I want to stop right there and just explain that real quick. This isn't about the belief of angels that we see in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, which says they are ministering spirits for redeemed humanity. For those who are redeemed, they're sent by God on mission to, to minister to the body of Christ. What was happening here is that this is uh, Gnostic, agnostic, angelic levels that they believed in Greek philosophies. So they worship the angels rather than worshiping Jesus, who is in charge and over all created things. Does that make sense? So they're worshiping things that were never designed to be worshipped. Just don't get that confused. 
Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. Verse 19. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds, this is Colossians 1, everybody. He holds the whole body of Christ together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died. Say died. With Christ. And he has set you free. Say, I am set free. From the spiritual powers of this world. So why, why? I can hear Paul saying, hello, why do you keep on following the rules of the world that keep you in bondage? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch all these rules. How many of you, can I just get a poll, in your life have been turned off by the rules of the church growing up? I know I said I'm not going to walk foot in a church again because I was pounded and pounded and condemned and felt guilty and shame and everything you're not supposed to experience in the grace of Christ. Paul's saying that to all of us. Stop it. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that um, that deteriorate as we use them. Temporal world. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. All I see is behavior modification, legalism, religious activity. I'm a Christian. Watch me. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil Desires. God, would you just uh, set our spirits free to hear you, set our minds, set us apart. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go into our, our three prayers that we did last week, and we're going to do three based on this chapter, and the next week we're going to do the same based on chapter three. I want to just kind of dissect our text just a little bit to bring it to our front door so that we can then respond to it in prayer. There is just a few passages, a few verses, uh, three in particular, that focus on the driving force of all of chapter two. Four verses. I had to do math in my head. Sorry about that. Look at verse two. Sorry about that. Verse two. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Fellow believers connected together in love, the gospel, living life together. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand the gospel. Connected and tied together in love, understanding the gospel, which comes from the Holy Spirit. In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. These are the key verses to chapter two. And finally, verse four, I didn't read that. I am telling you this so that no one deceives you with false teaching. Now for us today, this is so important. We have false gospels all over the place and even in churches. We have false teachings everywhere. And we need to be able to understand the truth. And so as we go into dissecting Colossians 2, I want us to understand that if indeed as followers of Jesus, if we're number one, tied together in love because of the gospel, 
And if number two, we understand the gospel, the lordship of Jesus, and everything is about Jesus, and in Christ we have wisdom and knowledge for all things, then I promise you, if these three things are functioning in your life, you will not be deceived. You will not believe false teachings because you will be grounded in Jesus as Lord. You will be grounded in wisdom and knowledge and the fullness of Christ and the lordship of the gospel. If indeed, if indeed those three things tie us together, then you will not be deceived by well-crafted arguments. Your roots will grow down deep in the knowledge of Christ. You will yield more and more the fullness of God through Christ in you. And you will continue to have victories over the evil desires in your life. I'm going to say that again because these are our four points. If indeed the love of Christ ties us together and you have wisdom and knowledge and you understand the gospel that it's all about Jesus, then these four things are going to happen. You will not be deceived by well-crafted arguments of this world. Number two, your roots will grow down deep. And number three, you will yield more and more the fullness of God through Christ who lives in you. And number four, you will continue to have victory over evil desires in your life. Do I have permission to go forth in these four points? Okay, let's go. Number one, you will not be deceived. Just look around us. And I don't have to preach this morning about all the false gospels and all the stuff that is, is being thrown at you, let alone that truth isn't absolute anymore in our day. Stepping on toes already. But what I want to do is I want to equip you for a moment. I want to ask you a question. Please don't respond out loud. Do you, do you know and understand in your mind and your heart the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus in a way that you can line it up to all other teachings and know what is false and what is true. Bottom line, that is the design of the body of Christ and that is why there are elders. That's why there are disciplers. We are called to be discipled, and then we are called to disciple other believers. If you don't know the gospel and the good news to a d degree that you can line up all the other teachings on social media that are out there, that are in the schools, that are in the work and the government place, that is literally coming against the truth and the kingdom of God you are going to get attacked by the waves of false doctrine. We, as believers and followers of Jesus, are called to know the truth that has set us free. To know it. Do you know it, or does your pastor know it? Do you know it, or is it the faith that your parents had that they passed on to you? You need to know it because it sets you free. And then you need to be able to decipher truth from false teaching. Because it's all around us. And there are people who are lost who need you to bring to light the truth of the gospel. You know, in Revelation... It says those who will overcome and be victorious over the evil one, there's two things that they overcome by. Two things in which they overcome. Do you know what they are? The blood of the lamb. The blood of the sacrificial lamb that covers all sin. That same sacrificial lamb is the king of kings and the lord of lords who is worthy of everything. What's the second? They will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the 
word of their testimony. What's your testimony? Because according to Paul in Colossians, if Christ has set you free, you are changed and completely transformed from death into resurrected life. Your life should have a testimony. And we're coming into a day, friends, the last days are around us. Will your life be a testimony? Because the church we read in about Revelations, they're not a quiet church. They are transformed and changed. And their testimony and the blood of the Lamb is boldly lived out in their lives. Will that be said of Elevation Community Church? You will not be deceived with well-crafted arguments. Number two, if you are aligned in Christ, you understand the gospel, and you are filled with all spiritual wisdom and knowledge, your roots will grow down deep. I have a confession to make. My wife and I kill everything we try to grow in plants. Sorry, I kill. I kill. We, there, there's, there's literally one plant above our sink that has lasted since Mother's Day. It's because it only takes two ice cubes a week. I can do that. But everything else dies. It's because we don't give the plants what it continually needs for its roots to be nourished and healthy. Can I be real for a moment? Um, if you weren't here last week, um, we shared the exciting news that we are starting a new venture, my wife and I. We're starting a new season of stepping down here at ECC to begin to build and lead a creative arts ministry called Ignite Creative Ministries. And uh, we're truly excited. I, I, it's really stepping by faith because we, we don't know how it looks, but we know it's going to be awesome because God promises when we trust him and we walk by faith and we're obedient that all things work together for good. And so... My heart and my prayer for you all is that as we step away and as the elders continue to shepherd and equip and as leaders in this church begin to rise up, that your roots would go down deep. Please, please don't base your faith on someone behind the pulpit. Please don't continue to just live your life Sunday to Sunday to be spoon-fed by those who are up here teaching. That's a disaster waiting to happen. And the worst thing in my mind to happen is we step away and a year or two later we hear that people are just not growing spiritually anymore. Don't let that be said of you here at ECC. But you have to nurture your faith. You have to put it to action. You have to be in the word of God. You have to be connected to believers. If Sunday is the only time you're connected to believers, you're going to be like the plant on our deck patio that only lasts three weeks. You have to water and nourish your faith in Christ. Your roots have to go down deep. One of my favorite passages in Ephesians 3, chapter, uh, verses 16 through 19. I believe it's on the screen. Maybe not. It is. Thank you. 
This is Paul again in Ephesians. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. The only way you can grow deep into Christ is being filled with the Holy Spirit. However you want to word it, however you want to form it, Paul says you must be consistently filled with the Holy Spirit. The thing about us human beings is we leak. (laughs) We're broken jars of clay filled with the light and the hope of the world, but we leak. We need to consistently be filled with the Holy Spirit to empower us, to empower us with inner strength. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as you trust in him. So number one, in order for your roots to grow down deep, you need the Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit, no growth. You also need to trust. It's transactional. You need to trust and give over the keys of your life to Jesus Christ. Trust. Trust God to nourish and strengthen you. Your roots will, verse 17, grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience, not just know, experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made, say that word with me, complete. There's that word again, complete. Though it is, excuse me, complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What would this church look like in a year? If you were connected to other believers, growing together, letting your roots grow down deep in the knowledge of the love of Christ, and you would be receiving empowerment from the Holy Spirit to put this in action, this church would be unstoppable. Because the kingdom of God is unstoppable. May this be said of all of us, that our roots grow down deep into the fullness of the power of God. Number three. Number three. If indeed we are aligned and knit together in love and we understand the gospel of Jesus and in Christ we have all wisdom and knowledge... Then number one, we will not be deceived with well-crafted arguments. Number two, we will, our roots will grow down deep. And number three, you will yield more and more to the fullness of God. You will surrender. You will be formed more and more to the fullness of God through Christ who lives in you. Friends, if you are in Christ, the only standard for your life is the fullness of Christ. And we know that until we see him face to face and are glorified in his likeness, we will not reach that fullness. But that's our standard in our life. Nothing else are we to settle for. The fullness of Christ If you don't believe me, look at Ephesians 4. He's talking about, this is the passage where it says that the apostles, the teachers, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, they're all the leaders of the church, of the body, those who are teaching and equipping. Their purpose is that every believer would grow up into the unity of the faith. Let's just read it. Ephesians 4. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature, say mature, in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We are called to grow up in Christ. Next. Is that it? My apologies. 
So we are to be mature, but our standard that we're to measure up is the fullness of Christ. Let me just ask you this. How are you measuring up to the fullness of Christ? This is why I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. It's my life verse. It says, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. And we who with all unveiled faces, what that means is we who believe and have been transformed into Christ. We with unveiled faces have been transformed into the image of Christ Jesus are being transformed by glory, by glory, by glory, by glory. It is a ladder that keeps going up. Salvation is once and done at the cross of Jesus Christ. When we are genuinely converted from death to life. However, growing up in the Lord, the spiritual term is sanctification. We are looking more and more and more like Jesus. So we need to yield more and more to the fullness of God through Christ Jesus. How do we do that? We have to grow in faith and allow Jesus to transform us, which leads us to point number four. Point number four is you when you are connected to other believers in the love of Christ and you understand the gospel and you are empowered through the Holy Spirit to have wisdom and knowledge, you will not be deceived with well-crafted arguments. Your roots will grow down deep. You will yield more and more to the fullness of Christ inside of you. And lastly, you will continue to be victorious over the evil desires in your life. It's the sin that easily entangles, Hebrews 12, that we need to look out for. Because in Christ, we are overcomers. Who's overcomer in this place? Who's an overcomer? Who's victorious in Christ? We still have a battle, and it's called the flesh. It's called the sinful nature that daily we have got to yield to the Holy Spirit to defeat the sinful nature in our lives. All of us, all of us face it daily. And you must choose daily to die to the sin nature that lives within you and to live in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It sounds easy. This is where faith comes in. This is also we're being knitted to accountability and fellow brothers and sisters is so important. I want to read verse 12, chapter 2, real quick, and I want us to understand that Christ has provided everything we need to overcome over the evil one. All we have to do is live in him, abide in him, remain in him. Trust in him and follow him. And we will be more than conquerors in Christ. Right, Sherry? Verse 12. For you were buried. Say buried. With Christ. When you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. That same power lives in you. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sin nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive. Say alive as loud as you can. Alive. He made you alive. Wow, that was powerful. He made you alive. He made you alive with Christ by forgiving all of your sin. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the flesh of Jesus on the cross. He shamed all spiritual enemies of Jesus and the kingdom of light by his victory over the cross. The purpose 
of baptism. The purpose of baptism is not to save you. Jesus did that on the cross. The purpose of baptism is to symbolize and to show what we just read. That we literally, our sin nature has been completely buried in Christ. And because of the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, when we come out of that water, it's a symbolism of our life as no longer our own. Sadly, how many people go through even baptism and they come up completely the same? It's not the water that changes us. It's the Holy Spirit that lives within us that changes us. And I want to invite you. If you've never, ever been baptized and you believe this truth of Jesus and he is Lord of your life, We're going to baptize one person next week. We'd love for you to join that list. Maybe you were baptized a while while back and you're not living the resurrected life and you want a fresh start. Feel free to do that. Baptism is literally putting a stake in the ground and saying, the gospel of Jesus is changing my life and I want to follow him with everything I have but we're to live as resurrected believers with the power of God within us. So band, you can come on up and we're gonna gonna close our time in prayer. And the first prayer is for our roots, our spiritual roots to grow down deep. And so if you guys could read with me what's in yellow, and then during, after the dot, 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 that gives you time to just finish that prayer individually before the Lord. Number one, prayer for deep spiritual roots. Can we read this together? Father, we come before you with a desire to be rooted deeply in our faith. As we have received Jesus as Lord, help us to continue to live in him, being grounded and rooted in him as we build our lives upon him alone. May thankfulness overflow in our lives as we grow more and more in the knowledge and the relationship with Jesus. Let's take a moment. Make this personal. Make this real. If you don't know Jesus, just even pray that prayer and say, come into my life. I want to receive you as Lord. I don't understand all this, but if you're all that matters, I want all of you. Come and change me. Forgive my sin. And help me follow you. The second prayer that we're going to pray is for spiritual fullness in Christ. It's available to us. It's the standard. It's what we're to be seeking and pursuing. So let's pray this genuinely together. Sorry for the smaller font. Father, we thank you for the fullness of your presence that resides in Jesus. We pray that we may experience that fullness in our lives as we choose to remain and abide in Jesus. May we experience more and more of your glorious presence as we stay yielded, obedient, and saturated in you. Search our hearts today and show us any wayward or wicked way within us so we may confess it before you and receive the forgiveness and cleansing you offer through your work on the cross. Just individually 
continue that prayer. And the third prayer is for strength and endurance to daily resist the evil desires that are rooted in our sinful nature. The key is to be rooted in Christ. Let's read this together. Father, thank you for providing spiritual armor for us to withstand Satan's fiery darts as we pursue to build our lives upon Jesus and make him known to everyone around us, we can expect attacks from the enemy. Everybody, guard and protect us. Help us to be alert and vigilant and stand firm in the faith. Thank you for giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to help us resist the enemy. Thank you for giving us the most powerful name of Jesus to overcome and be victorious. Just take a minute. Ask him for strength. You know where you get tripped up and easily tangled. Surrender it to Jesus. Lay it at the cross. And give the Holy Spirit permission to have all access in your life. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.